At my parish, we just kicked off our OCIA process with a new set of catechumens and candidates. It's an exciting time. I love to watch how God works with these wonderful adults who are investigating the Catholic faith and considering putting themselves forward for baptism or reception into the church. Having gone through the process myself, I'm reminded of how God worked with my wife and me as we made the journey together. Now, serving as an OCIA director, there are many joys to be had, but there are also some challenges. I'll tell you about one of the challenges coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. My name is Patrick Conley. I'm glad to be with you today as together we'll seek to draw closer to our Lord through some help and guidance from our spiritual director. One of the challenges of OCIA, again, this is the normal process by which adults become part of the Catholic Church, is when it comes to former marriages. It can be exceedingly difficult for a non-Catholic to comprehend what is actually going on in the annulment, or better, declaration of nullity process, or why it's even necessary. But this really shouldn't come as a surprise to us, as many faithful, devout Catholics have questions about when and how to seek a declaration of nullity. Well, as I tell all my OCIA participants, the only bad question is the one left unasked. Today on The Inner Life, we're talking annulments or declarations of nullity. Do you have a question about a specific situation? Would some clarification on the process be helpful? Do you have some encouragement to offer by having gone through the process yourself? As we do every day on the show, we welcome your questions and your encouragements. The number to call for our studio line is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or you can always send us an email at innerlife@relevantradio.com. And I should probably throw in there that you can always remain anonymous if you wish. Fielding your questions and guiding our discussion today is Father Emil Fajardo. Father Emil is a resident priest at Holy Name Cathedral in the Archdiocese of Chicago, the Director of Liturgy and the Cardinal's Delegate for St. James Chapel, both at the Archbishop Quigley Pastoral Center and the Rector of the National Shrine of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. But particularly pertinent for today's show, he also serves as a judge of the Metropolitan Tribunal for the Archdiocese of Chicago. Welcome, Father. Glad to be speaking with you again. Good morning, Patrick. Good to be back on. I am so grateful that you're here and with us and talking about this very important topic of annulments or declarations of nullity. I think it would be appropriate to start out just with asking, what is a declaration of nullity, Father? All right. Excellent question. Uh, we always remind folks that the Church cannot annul a valid marriage so when we talk about the procedures for a declaration of nullity, it is, a, it is answering one simple question. Is the marriage in question a valid consent between the two parties, by either or both? In other words, if one or both were defective in their consent, either through internal uh, problems or external pressures or anything other than true consent, that is not considered a valid marriage. Mm. Therefore, we can, we can, the church can declare it a null marriage. In other words, a person walks into marriage 100% capable and willing to, of, of, of marriage. You know, mm -hmm. it's the idea that there was any sort of mental reservation or mental hesitation 
or an external force that prevented someone from willing 100% that they enter into the marriage. Mm-hmm. And so again, uh, it's all around when the marriage was was begun. Was there an actual marriage that be- occurred at the time that it began? I think this is a common question that, um, you know, what if there is infidelity some years into the marriage that although I suppose that may play a little bit of an understanding into what happened when the marriage began, but that's not particularly what we're looking at when we're talking about a declaration of nullity, correct? Correct. Uh, it could, like you said, it could play a part. It is indicative of something, right? But it's not the basis for a declaration of nullity. Yeah. The declaration yeah. of nullity focuses on the moment the man and the woman stood in front of the priest and said, I do. Mm. That's the moment that we're looking at. What led up to that moment? Was, was there any defect? And at the moment the couple says, I do, was there anything that was anything other than meaning 100% I do consent? Yeah, 100% I do, which includes, as I understand, well, the, the, the way it was presented to me, and I think I uh, have kind of latched onto this um, just if, due to the alliteration of nothing else, that it's, it's free, full, faithful, and fruitful. Um, so it needs to be, well, take us into each of those terms. It needs to be free, so it has to be a, a free, a complete free will. Like there's no shotgun marriages, right? That we exactly. don't see that as a valid bond, right? Right. That's that was the example I was going to use. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, we we laugh about it. It's called Hollywood, but right. that's not free. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Free will is not there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it has to be full, so it can't be like, well, I give you, you know, part of this. Uh, you know, well, we'll see if it works out. That sort of thing. No, it's a total Ex- commitment, right? Exactly. No holding back. It is. Okay. You have me for the rest of my life and your life together. It's okay. it's totality. I, I am open to having children, etc. You know, total yeah. giving the consortium totius vitae, the, the totality of the spousal promises one makes to the other. Full. Right. Okay. Okay. Very good. And uh, faithful, of course. I mean, there can't be somebody on the side when we go into the marriage bond, right? Exactly. That's, that's one of those things that you, when you look into each other's eyes, there better not be anyone else other than Christ, between the two yes. of you. It t- Fulton, Sheen's, <laughs> right. Fulton Sheen's book, right? Three to get married. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, obviously, um, that he is welcome and invited into any uh, certainly valid, valid Catholic marriage bond, certainly. And fruitful. I mean, you mentioned this, um, that open to life, mm-hmm. right? Open to life. Correct. Okay. Correct. Am I missing it's anything a, there, Father? Is that is that a good I, summary, or are there other things? That is an excellent excellent summary. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, <laughs> this is I am not the spiritual director today, so I want to defer to you on any of these things. But I just this has really stuck with me: free, full, faithful, and fruitful. And it's a good way of kind of uh, at least addressing it because, like I said, I mean, I think many people who who are involved with uh, again OCIA or other parts of the churches. Uh, process, pastoral process, whatever it would happen to be, they encounter these things, and it's probably a good idea to have a kind of a working definition of what what uh, the annulment process is about. Now, let's let's go into that now. Um, obviously, this is a, uh, it can be anyway, a rather involved and lengthy process. Should we talk about that a little bit? Sure, sure, sure. The, uh, the, the person applying, the petitioner, begins by going to their local parish, how we do it in Chicago is this. A petitioner goes to visit their pastor. 
and they begin the process of filling out the paperwork. It is merely an application. The person then must submit written testimony as to why this marriage was not a valid marriage. Mm -hmm. And this is where our, what we call field delegates, interview the couple, uh, the, the individual. Why did this couple have a divorce? All right. The presumption is that a couple who have divorced um, will not be returning in, or in any way have reconciliation. In other words, the marriage is, uh, is not salvageable. Okay. So you, the, the petitioner will fill out an application which forms what is the basis of what we call the libellus. It is the formal petition by which the church is to hear a... Uh, I don't want to say complaint, but that's basically it in legal terms, that this marriage was not a valid marriage as understood in the church. Okay. So then after both after the respondent has been cited, the, the respondent can say, I'm going to fully, actively, deliberately participate, send me testimony, uh, paperwork for my witnesses, and or can say, I don't want to be bothered. Leave me alone. Okay. Yeah. All right. The respondent has the right to intervene at any point because we are protecting their rights. It is a it is a valid marriage until the church decides it has seen a nullity. Again, mm-hmm. we're not declaring it annulled. We are just saying prove it. Yeah. Prove yeah. your case. Okay. All right. Yeah, so once ahead. that. Yeah. Once that procedure takes place, we uh, once parties have been cited, witnesses have been cited, we gather all the information, then we review the documentation, and it then goes to uh, it then goes to the point what we call publication. And I'm I'm greatly streamlining the process, right? sure, sure. But it it goes into what we call publication. Both parties are invited to see what the other has submitted, right? We we summon them into the tribunal and say, you have the right to come and review what testimonies have been submitted by your former spouse as well as his or her witnesses. And they can come in. Many times they choose not to, but it is their right. Once that happens, we sign off on it and we say, all right, Defender of the Bond has the final say. The Defender of the Bond is our most experienced jurist, and they will decide whether or not there is merit to the case they're not making a decision. They're just saying, is there merit to this petition? That's mm-hmm. all they're answering. Okay. It then goes from the defender to the judge, who then puts it in line in their various dockets to try to move the cases along. All right. Mm-hmm. It, the problem, Patrick, is that many people don't understand the church deliberately moves slowly. This is not the sort of thing that you can expect an answer. You promised me this in 30 days. Yeah. That's not how it works. It's it's unfortunate, but this is a judicial process, which really focuses on the fact that there are two people who have been hurt. Yeah, two people have been hurt, and oftentimes, many times, you'll find kids involved. Right. Many, you know, many times they they're really young kids, or they could be adults. But the point is, there are hurting people, and the church is only answering one question: Was the consent offered by these two individuals a valid? consent as the church understands it. All right, very good. Well, we're, we're getting into it now with our spiritual director, Father Emil Fajardo. We are talking about declarations of nullity, or more commonly known as annulments here in the Catholic Church, and we are 
taking your questions and your comments at 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Or send us an email, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Now, the existence of the Metropolitan Tribunal in many dioceses and archdioceses, as I understand it, Father, is particularly there because um, there, are, there is, divorce is obviously a reality in our society today, and uh, there is this, uh, there's almost an encouragement, isn't there, for, for Catholics to, to pursue this uh, annulment process? I mean, how would you encourage uh, people, or, or would you encourage people to, to pursue uh, the annulment process if they are if they are in a state of divorce. It's important for people to be reconciled with the fact yeah. that a former relationship did not fulfill its promise. Okay, mm-hmm. it, the church does not make judgments on a person in any specific way. The church is only answering whether or not their consent was validly given and what was the reason for the defect in that consent, and then. If the church were to render an affirmative decision, the church has the obligation to give ways that any future marriage would be sacramental for Catholics in line with what we expect a marriage to be. Mm -hmm. So there is a healing process that is involved as well. And when we're talking about healing, does it magically go away? You know, no, the hurt will be there. But once a person understands what the causes of the divorce were, it is our obligation to say you need help so that this doesn't occur again in the future. Sure. And as a judge, we are under we are under obligation to think very carefully whether or not to place some sort of uh, some sort of counseling before marriage. Right? Mm-hmm. There are there are people who think that they're ready to be married married, but sometimes they don't realize what they're bringing into a relationship they don't realize how their family background or how they grew up what was a situation in their lives that could influence very greatly their ability to have a relationship with an other Hmm. right um yeah I, i think sometimes for example uh, we're, the church finds out that modern life is is awfully fast paced, and people expect things to work out the first time around, and there's no capacity for problem solving. Mm, interesting. Yeah, that's a that's Just a like, great point. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Just like my mom and dad used to be. They, uh, m- my mom and dad grew up in a very gentle time, where one doesn't lose their temper. One reasons things out between spouses. Very equal partners, right? They're spouses. There is a connection that cannot be removed. So my mom and dad used to be always, they would never raise their voice, unless of course me and I didn't do my homework. (laughs) (laughs) But they would would never raise their voices to one another, ever. Ever. Mm -hmm. And that church was a normal part of life. And my mom and dad just simply felt that life was too fast-paced and the family was super important. So therefore, as husband and wife, this was critical. You are able to communicate and share and share faith, especially. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, well, many good points and people find themselves in a situation where, uh, yeah, they don't have the capacity for problem solving, like you said, Father, and end up with a divorce. And I, I think right. it's it's probably good to uh, it's good to clarify here, too. Um, you know, you oftentimes hear on the streets nowadays and or maybe I should say even now with a lot of clarification that I feel has been offered in the process that uh, the, the annulments are basically just Catholic divorce. But this uh, well, what would you say to that, Father? Well, again, annulments, declarations of nullity are simply answering one question. Was there a valid uh, consent given? Divorce, in our common understandings, uh, secular understanding, is that, well, you can just, at any point, rupture the relationship. There's no, no-fault divorce, I think, was a super, super terrible thing to have happened, because now you don't need a reason. That's not the case of the church. The church actually has a much deeper understanding of relationship by saying, is this person capable of consent? Is this person capable of marriage? And it's kind of the same way with uh, with religious life. There are some people who were never really meant for marriage or religious life. Uh, the vocation was not there in them. Yeah. Just, this oh. is just being blunt. Right. right? We, okay. we have to be very honest. Some people just are not capable. And I think our Lord speaks about that, or uh, was it St. Paul? Yeah. Some, some of us were not meant for one or the other. Yes. Mm-hmm. There are those who are capable of this. Mm-hmm. That's a great point as well, Father. And, uh, well, on the other side of the scale, then, there's those who, you know, perhaps they've fallen into divorce, and um, but it's something that they've, you know, they... they I know that I've run into people who resist the annulment process because they are adamant that, you know, well, I did love my spouse and we did have kids together. Um, that mm-hmm. I, I don't want to go through something that says says that we weren't ever married or that we, I guess the implication is that if there's not a valid, a valid bond there, then the implication is that, well, we didn't really love each other. Um, but that's not the case either, correct? Loving each other is not the issue. It is right. the capacity to offer consent. And maybe right away, right away you brought it up, let's not bring kids into this discussion. People always seem to have this idea that if I get an annulment declaring that the consent was invalid, that these kids are illegitimate. That is absolutely not the church's position. Mm-hmm. Inheritance laws in Europe, in medieval Europe, when the church was the state power, essentially people who were... Uh, people who were uh, not given a chance, for example, due to disinheritance, that became a problem if you had an annulment or if there was illegitimacy, right? So the idea yeah. that a kid, that any children would be illegitimate stems from this old idea of not inheriting property. And that's not the church's position. No, at no time are children declared illegitimate. That is, let's just get that off off the table right away. This does not affect the children. Right, right. Very good reminder from our spiritual director, Father Ramil Fajardo, a judge of the Metropolitan Tribunal of the Archdiocese of Chicago. We're talking today about declarations of nullity. If you've undergone a declaration of nullity and have some encouragement to give, or if you have questions about the process, give us a call. Join the conversation at 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. We're going to take our first break. Lots more to talk about here on the show. 
show talking about declarations of nullity. So give us a call with your questions, 888-914-9149. We'll be back right after this short break. Stay with us. This Monday, October 9th, is the first ever Solemnity of Our Lady of Champion. An outdoor mass celebrated by Bishop Ricken at the National Shrine is taking place at 11 a.m. and will be broadcast live right here on Relevant Radio. Info at championshrine.org. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio, RelevantRadio.com, and the Relevant Radio app. Hey, I think you know this, but in case you don't, this coming July, our whole team is going to be live in Indianapolis at the National Eucharistic Congress. And Relevant Radio is offering an easy, family-friendly travel experience thanks to Nativity Pilgrimage. So let's show up for Jesus together. Find more information about travel packages at RelevantRadio.com slash encounter. That's RelevantRadio.com slash encounter. Talking about declarations of nullity today with our spiritual director, Father Emil Fajardo. If you have questions about the annulment process or something, some encouragement that you'd like to give about people who are maybe on the fence about whether or not to seek out the process, then give us a call and join the conversation at 888-914-9149. All right, so let's go to the phones, Father. We've got Mike, who's been waiting patiently in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. Mike, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling. Hello, gentlemen. Thank you. Um, I know your time is precious, so I'll go through these points real quick if I can, and then um, I'd like to listen to your to your responses. Um, first of all, as we know, divorce is a covenant. It's it's not a, a contract. It's a covenant with God. Um and the second point was that in Malachi, God states that he hates divorce. So then I'm confused. First of all, I have to point out that I'm a recent convert of only three years. I'm trying to understand things. But uh, now the annulment process, which is a, a Catholic idea, um, I don't understand that how that correlates to where God hates divorce. And then I understand that 95% of the annulments are approved. So that kind of question me, questions me that what are we doing or not doing in, in marriage uh, ceremonies to help strengthen the marriage bond? Um, it seems like we should be doing more. Um, I haven't read that book yet, but I'm going to be purchasing it, the Fulton Sheen um, Three to Get Married. But I, I kind of have to add to that title is, three to get married, and, and one to file for divorce. So now that I'm a, a, a Catholic, I'm fighting for my marriage, and I'm not getting a reciprocal treatment from my Catholic wife. Um, so those are the few points that I, I have on my mind, and I'll wait for your response. Okay. Well, th- thank you, Mike. Those are, that's excellent questions. Very good, because that's the sort of thing that we always have to be we, have, we always have to parse them very carefully. So I think you cited Malachi, but our Lord in Matthew 19, verse 9, uh, speaks about marriage and divorce. He, when he was approached by, uh, by some Pharisees, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause whatever? Our Lord said, have you not heard that, have you not read that from the beginning the Creator made the male and female for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. 
therefore what God has joined together no human being must separate and they challenge him well then why did Moses uh, allow a bill of divorce and our Lord says because of the hardness of your hearts hmm. but Jesus says I say to you whoever divorces his wife unless the marriage is unlawful and marries another commits adultery here's where we have to parse very carefully what this is all about because our society tends to bring words together and give them equivalence it becomes more difficult to give a nuanced proper answer Moses did that because of the pressure that he felt from the people of the Old Testament our Lord says unless the marriage is unlawful in other words the church is taking our Lord's word as I said earlier we're only judging the moment of consent we're not answering any other question other than at the moment of consent did one or both parties have what it takes to mean I do it is an expression of only that we're only making a decision on that part were they able and did they bring to the marriage the I do okay so because of that it seems that nowadays people tend to look at annulments or declarations of nullity as easy to get in my experience so far it we only get a mere fraction of people that actually marry so I don't know that I could actually say 95% of marriages being confected are ending in divorce I, I can't say that all I'm concerned about are the cases that pass my desk right now here in the archdiocese when I was a parochial vicar uh, I used to do 40 45 weddings a year and the pastor had even more and I, I you know in, in, in over six years all those marriages I, I don't I I only have a mere fraction of cases that pass by my desk so I would I would also caution you Mike to not look at it as a statistic but rather look at the fact that we're talking about two individuals they had problems that they eventually could not overcome and therefore have asked the church to please render a judgment was our consent valid that's all that is all and it is not a matter of divorce because our Lord said unless the marriage is unlawful and that's what we mean by they did not bring to the marriage all that they had to or needed to and I think that's I think that's a great distinction about the person's ability to follow through on the promises that they make and I mean the church's position is this a man and a woman present themselves to the church and actually you have a really good point about are we doing enough yeah, Pope Francis really has been on this a lot he even made a suggestion have you have the dioceses of the church considered for example a three-year uh, pre-cana program in other words people should try to wait before they get married get to know each other through Christ right so I, I think that's I'm not sure how realistic that could be I think it's a good idea that there should be some sort of preparation just like we, just like what they do with priests I mean we go through six seven sometimes eight or twelve years if you're a Jesuit you know of, of formation couples all they have to do is they just present themselves and after a period of time they're ready to get married well are they are they really married and we can only do the best we can by saying I've spoken with you I got to know you 
If you mean what you say, we proceed. So is there a better way of doing things? No, there always is a, a newer way of doing things. I, I've been on a kick so far, which is, how about your faith life? How's your prayer life? Do you guys pray with each other? When I prepare couples for marriage, do you pray with one another? Right? So, Mike, to answer your question, it's not, it's simply that we're following our Lord's command. It's like, it is absolutely indissolvable unless it's unlawful. And if a person holds back at the moment of consent, then they've, in a sense, been unlawful. They have not brought everything. There's not been full disclosure. So therefore, the church can declare this was not fully disclosed. So therefore, you couldn't have made consent. I hope that Very helps. Good. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Thank you for the call. It's a good good points, good question there as well. We're speaking about declarations of nullity today in the church. If you have questions about that and you'd like to ask our spiritual director, Father Ramil Fajardo, give us a call at 888-914-9149. Let's go now to John calling in from Phoenix, Arizona. John, good morning. Welcome to The Inner Life. Good morning, Father, and everyone at Relevant Radio. Um, good morning. I had a question. I... Uh, I haven't yet to turn in my annulment papers. They took me quite a bit of time to reflect and honestly answer them. Um, I'm I'm curious of as what will happen at the moment I do turn them in and what will follow. The procedure, correct? Yes. Okay. Once you submit your petition, you will be asked most likely to submit a full testimony. In other words, the, the, your diocese will send you to uh, a questionnaire, which is pretty impressive when you think about all the questions that they're asking. Or you may be summoned in to give deposition, and you'll be asked, so who are you? What was your family life like? Where did you go to school? Tell us about how your family life was like. How did you first, uh, how did you first begin dating? And how did you meet your former spouse? So the testimony in and of itself should be a, a full disclosure of who you are. Again, not looking for faults, but we are looking for a way that a person may or may not have been capable of offering the fullest possible consent, the consortium totius vitae, the, the totality of life necessary for marriage. Okay? You will also speak about your former spouse. The testimony itself, like I said, is impressive. It's, it's a long document, but in doing so, it, gets, it lets the church know who you really are in, in your totality. Because, you, you know, in being honest, and, and something perhaps our listeners should be aware of, we're not looking for people who are perfect, right? If you t- <laughs> well, that's if you good. Tell us, It'd be hard to find them. <laughs> if, you're, if you're not telling the church anything new, it's like, oh, I'm a good person. I went to Mass every Sunday. It's like, well, then obviously it's a valid marriage, right? Mm. We're not looking for people who are perfect. We're looking for the possibility that somebody did not have what it takes to enter marriage fully, right? It's the fullness of the consent, the consortium totis fide, the totality of of life together so we're not looking for anyone to tell us how good they were we're looking for any problems that may have developed in other words be honest be honest um it goes through the usual procedures of uh, notifying your former spouse then we will go through the citation of witnesses and then after that it'll go through the in-house procedures of review defender of the bond 
and publication, as I explained earlier, you will be invited or summoned to review the documentation submitted. You have that right, so does your former spouse, because it was a public marriage, nothing's hidden. And then once that is done, you can then either you know refuse to read it or uh, come in and read it. Once that's done, then it goes to the judge. It gets in line for decision. This is why sometimes procedures take a while. I, again, I'll, I'll explain to, to everyone listening. This is not a turnaround time of how many weeks, months, or whatever. If a partner, if a, a spouse were to actively involve themselves, it does take time. And this is where the church, a judge like myself, says, I will not be pressured into rushing a judgment. This is something that a party is asking serious consideration. So I, I'll, I'll just make a sidebar thought. When I first started my job here at the tribunal, my former judicial vicar told me, you know, Ramil, I hope you really have a strong prayer life. And I kind of giggled and he said, you know, it's true. I hope you have a strong prayer life because you're going to see a lot of hurt people. They, people think that this is a bureaucratic job. But you're opening files here, and you're seeing how people have been hurt and hurt badly. And they want the church to acknowledge that hurt and to allow them to begin healing. So I take this particularly seriously. We begin all our deliberations in prayer. We write our decisions in, in nominate domini, and then we always end it in the presence of Almighty God. I declare this, this, and this. It's a very serious thing. It's always kept in the context of our religious faith. This is not merely bureaucratic. So that's why it can sometimes take a while. Mm -hmm. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, well, and uh, that's really good, John. Uh, good that you asked the question, and that's what we're about here on The Inner Life is helping people understand the process. Specifically today, we're talking about declarations of nullity. Our spiritual director, a judge for the Metropolitan Tribunal in the Archdiocese of Chicago, is Father Ramil Fajardo. Father Fajardo, before we take our next break, we had an email come in from a woman who identifies herself as TC by those initials. And uh, her, the subject of her email was revert Catholic, married, divorced, non-Catholic. And here's what she writes. She says, I recently returned to the church after being away from the faith for over 20 years. Well, welcome back. I would say that. Mm -hmm. um, while away, I got married to a divorced non-Catholic outside of the church. He was married to a non-Catholic as well, and the marriage lasted uh, only a year or so. A year or so. Uh, since my return to the church two years ago, I was told I still needed an annulment because of my husband's marriage. My husband has no interest in becoming Catholic, but is willing to do the annulment process so that I can return fully to the church and, its, and her sacraments. Would this be a complex process since the one divorced is the non-Catholic? That's what she asked. Good, excellent question. Yeah. Um, a, quick, a quick recap of the church's teaching on marriage. A man and a woman say make promises of fidelity i do to one another and catholics follow the catholic rules so in other words you go before a priest you you make your you, you do the sacrament of matrimony in the presence of your witnesses and families that's how catholics do it non-catholics on the other hand don't have to follow catholic rules mm -hmm. provided that they follow some sort of ritual they could be Lutheran and an atheist. They could be Episcopalian and Presbyterian. They could be Muslim and Muslim, Muslim uh, Hindu and Hindu, Jewish and Jewish. It doesn't matter. For non-Catholics, they're not obligated to follow Catholic rules. 
So our understanding is if somebody presents themselves and say that they're married, we trust that they are. So the process would be almost identical for a Catholic. A person would have to plead that this particular marriage was invalid, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the consent was invalid. So it's, sometimes it's hard to understand, but the basic principle is this. A man and a woman who present themselves for marriage are expected to know what they're doing, mm-hmm. right? So Catholics follow Catholic rules. Others follow their rules. And in this case, it wouldn't be that difficult. It would just be the usual process. You know, yeah. you'd speak okay. to your local diocese. Okay. So it'd be a typical process. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Very good. Hope that helps. TC, we're glad that you emailed in. If you'd like to send us an email asking your questions about declarations of nullity, innerlife at relevantradio.com, or give us a call at 888-914-9149. Our spiritual director, Father Ramil Fajardo, is answering your questions about declarations of nullity at 888-914-9149. We're going to take our next break, but when we come back, we've got more of your phone calls and emails and more with our spiritual director, Father Ramil Fajardo. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com slash quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. Hey, you know what? We're in October now, and these last few months of the year, they always go fast, and Advent will be here before we know it. Do you have a nativity set to place outside your home this Advent and Christmas seasons? Thanks to a generous donor, we here at Relevant Radio are giving away 200 beautiful hand-painted nativity sets valued at over $500 each. Display the true, humble, and profound reason for the season for your family and your neighborhood. Sign up to win a set at relevantradio.com slash set, S-E-T. Sign up before midnight on Midnight Central, that is, on October the 15th, relevantradio.com slash set. Well, I'm Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, Thomas Engeser, on the phones for us today, and our spiritual director, Father Emil Fajardo. We're taking your calls and emails about questions about the declaration of nullity process. Let's go back to the phones now. Melissa is calling in from Fresno, California. Melissa, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling. Thank you for taking my call. I did have a question. Um, It's not necessarily about annulment. I am recently divorced. I was married for 23 years in the church. I do not at all believe that um, my sacrament wasn't valid when we got married. We were both fully aware and wanted to make our sacrament. Things have changed, and everybody has their story. But my concern with being divorced, I am going to live out as still a married woman, but we are not together in the home. I am a part of ministries in the church. I'm a Eucharistic minister and a lector. And one day I, I, it kind of dawned on me, um, he, my husband stopped going to mass in 2018. So I started coming alone. So my fellow parishioners see me there by myself, not knowing anything of what's going on in my home life. Should I not be a part of the ministries, especially, you know, Eucharistic minister? That's my question. Okay. Um, Very difficult question uh, in the sense of 
you don't really want to give up any of our ministries because that's a beautiful gift that you can give. Um, the only issue would be if one were remarried without having the church review the prior relationship. Provided that you are not remarried outside of the church, there's really no reason why you couldn't continue in your ministry. I think it's important to just consult with your pastor, explain yourself, um, but the issue is you are technically still married. Uh, if you haven't received a declaration of nullity, uh, then you are technically married. Uh, even if the relationship kind of ended, the point is the church makes that decision uh, for uh, the uh, ongoing status of the marriage. But as, as long as you're not remarried outside of the church, there should be no reason why you could not continue uh, maintaining your ministries. Mm -hmm. That's as as a, as a rule of thumb. The issue for us as priests would be: Would knowledge of an irregular situation be the cause of concern or scandal to some people? And I'm not saying that people would be, uh, you know, critical, but at the same time, it would be good to make sure that there would be no misunderstanding. So. That's that's a basic answer. As long as you're not remarried outside of the church, there's no reason why you couldn't continue in your ministries. Yeah. Okay, very good. Thank you for the question, Melissa. Appreciate that. Father, we're going to take another email here now. Uh, Jenny writes in and says, I'd like to know if my ex and I are not on talking terms anymore after we finished our civil divorce in 2021. Do I have to reach out to him and notify him that I am filing for an annulment? She says that he and I have lived apart in different continents since 2016. And then she goes on to ask, what if he does not choose to reply um, to the tribunal after being notified? Will this hinder the process or make it impossible? So any response to that? Uh, Non-participation will not slow down the process. Uh, we even in, yes, parties have to be summoned to, because marriage is a public sacrament. All the sacraments are public, right? But because marriage was done very publicly, every party has to be notified. So your former yeah. spouse would be told a petition uh, alleging an invalid consent has been made. Would you like to participate? And the, our forms here in Chicago would also state the grounds by which it would be challenged. And a person, a respondent, would have a choice of, yes, I would like to respond and participate. Yes, I would like to respond, but I will not offer testimony. Yes, just keep me involved, and no, leave me alone, right? In other words, I, I do not wish to be further involved other than what is necessary. So in other words, the opening citation, as well as the, uh, the results of the decision. Okay. And actually, also, one step before that, publication, as I said before. A party has a right until the very final moment to, to participate, right? Okay. Because you are, a party is alleging that a marriage consent was invalid. Yeah. And yeah. so a party, has a, a party has that right. Yes, you know what? I would like to see what was written about me. Yeah. Okay? But if he doesn't bother responding, then we just proceed. That's okay. why the, it, it can take time. Right. 
Right. And Jenny goes on to ask, specifically, she says that uh, she was thinking to apply for the annulment because she was being hurried by her ex-husband's mother to give consent to the marriage. And she wonders, mm-hmm. is this is this a valid reason at least to apply and to begin the process? Patrick, excellent reminder. Um, any advice I give on the air yes. <laughs> is, only, is only general, is right. only general. I, I, right. I mean... I have my style. I'm in Chicago, but all dioceses have their own procedures in line with the church's general procedure. But there are potential grounds in that area of force or reverential fear. There could be pressure. There are are different ways of approaching it, but I would recommend please speak to your local tribunal, especially your local pastor, because if a marriage fell apart, there have to be grounds, right? It might not always be uh, easy to discern it, but the best source would be your local tribunal. Okay, okay. And you might have the same answer to this one, Father, but Kathy also emails in and says, in the process of divorce, my husband's not willing to work on reconciliation. We are married in the Catholic Church. I am Catholic. He is not. But she goes on to say, I'm not sure he provided proof that he was baptized when we were married. Is our marriage considered valid if he did not provide that information? Um, yeah. Okay. So I guess that's the question. Okay. Um, when when a couple marries in the Catholic Church, the wedding paperwork should have dec- disclosed whether or not he was baptized. And I'm trying to remember back when we do uh, when I did wedding files, um, a, a party would have to declare whether or not they were baptized in what church if they were not Catholic. Mm. But um, th- again, that doesn't necessarily mean that marriage couldn't go forward. Um, I don't know her situation, but normally wedding files, uh, the prenuptial paperwork would indicate whether or not a person was baptized. Okay. Uh, would it slow down a process? Not necessarily, because okay. she got married in the Catholic Church. Yeah. So in other words, sufficient work was done to guarantee that they were within all the, the canonical requirements. Okay. All right. Uh, let's do another email. So this one comes from Laura. It says, my mom and dad, both Catholic, were married young right out of high school. My dad ended up leaving us when I was six years old to marry another woman. After many years of being alone, my mom remarried outside of the Catholic faith, and then her husband has since passed away. Can she come into the church and take Holy Communion? So that's Laura's question. Okay. Um, with all due respect, uh, her mother was not in a what we would consider a valid marriage because she married outside of the church, right? Now that her former spouse has died, her second spouse, if I'm not understanding this, now that that's her, what I understand. It's not clear okay. from the email, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So now that her second marriage, uh, her f- second spouse, has passed on, she's actually right back where she began, which was in a Catholic marriage, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So unless she got it declared invalid. You know, that was never declared otherwise. So, you know, she is actually still married to her father. Okay. Okay. All right. Right. Very good. I appreciate that we're, we're taking all these. We've gotten a number of phone calls, a number of emails. I thank you for everyone who is uh, calling in. Let's go down to Veronica calling in from Turlock, California. Veronica, welcome to the Inner Life. Thanks for calling. Only a few minutes left, uh, Veronica, but we're happy to have you on the air. Good morning. Um, I just have a quick comment. Um, I went through the annulment process after many years of not doing it for fear of being said no. And it went 
very well. It was a very healing process for me. So I just want to say to the people that are on the fence, just do it, pray about it, and, and just do it. Go through the process, and God will give you the answer. Thank you, Veronica, because what I always tell our applicants is that, simply put, the Church wants everyone who applies to be at peace with a prior relationship. It's, it's never easy, but the Church wants everyone to applying for these declarations of nullity that it's not a judgment about a good or bad person it's about healing a person who was in a in a difficult relationship in order that they they can move on with Christ and the church mm-hmm. it's a, it, it is in fact a very very satisfying and healing process that the church wants for everyone mm-hmm. that applies mm-hmm. Thank you, Veronica. Thank you for the testimony, and I'm grateful that uh, that for your comments too, Father. That uh, yeah, this is what the church takes on board is that we understand, as you've said before, there are at least two hurting people in the process, and um, yeah, yeah, the pastoral considerations are are many in going through this process. I'm grateful that the church takes her time and uh, and sees to the pastoral needs that are involved with the people who are seeking the annulment as well, seeking the declaration of nullity. Father, this has been a great conversation, only about a minute here before we ask you for your blessing. But uh, I just want to say once again and give you the opportunity with closing thoughts and just to say um, why we think so highly of marriage in the, in the Catholic Church. It's the vocation for most people in this world. It's this idea of wanting to be known in a very exclusive way. And that in marriage, you will see that relationship of God. Just like with any sacrament of vocation for those who are called, when husband and wife really enter into that promise of fidelity and fecundity, as well as uh, just praying for one another, that's how you get to heaven. That, That exclusive promise made to one another is so important because that's what every man and woman needs. They want to know that their back is covered. Right, And when yeah. you find that spouse who will promise that and you take them for their word, you know that you've got that spouse who's got your back covered. You know, yeah. Then you can take yeah. on the world. I always like right. to tell our couples, you can take on the world when you know that you've got your back covered. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great point, Father. And then just one final clarification that if people are intrigued and want to know more about annulments, your, your first step is to talk with your pastor. Is that right? Absolutely. Begin with your local pastor. And if not, then also try calling your local tribunal. Uh, Our staffs, and oftentimes dioceses have websites already dedicated to how to apply. Right. And all explanations. Yeah, very good. Thank you so much, Father, for being uh, guiding us through this uh, this discussion. I mean, it's meaningful, it's valuable, but it's not always easy to understand. As you know, we like to close the show with a blessing. So if you would, please, Father. All right. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Almighty God. As we enter the month of October, the month of the Most Holy Rosary, the Blessed Virgin Mary, grant us your blessing, and may Almighty God bless you all, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This has been a show on declarations of nullity. If you know somebody who would benefit from hearing, maybe they're in a tough spot in their marriage right now, you can always go to relevantradio.com slash innerlife, listen again, or share it out there. Grateful that you've joined us for this program. And coming up next is Mass from the beautiful Cathedral of St. Paul in St. Paul, Minnesota. Until next time, great and peace.